Welcome to Daily Drive Time Devotions, day two of our look together through Mark chapter 15. We're going to look at verses 16 to 21 today, continuing our look at what Jesus did on this day that he gave his life for me. He gave his life for you. Listen to Mark 15, 16 to 21. The soldiers led Jesus away to the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. And then they led him away to crucify him. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. Here is this day in the life of Jesus and those who surrounded this day. And you see the soldiers. What happened this day was just a game to them. They mocked the master on this day. These Roman soldiers mocked because they didn't understand his kingdom. They mocked him as an earthly king. But Jesus' kingdom was never meant to show itself to men in crowns and roses and scepters. So they played this game with him. I've been to Jerusalem and you can go down underneath the place where this probably happened in Jerusalem and see in the pavement carved near this Fortress Antonia where this mocking happened with the soldiers, the carvings of something the soldiers called the king game. It was a game that they would play with prisoners sometimes, talking about what it meant for them to be king even though they were on their way to their death. They actually used prisoners like pieces in a game move them from here to here, mere tokens, mere nothings. And they treated Jesus that way that day. They went even further with him because he was said to be the king of kings. So it was perfect for them. They played the king game. This man was said to be a king. What great sport. What a great day. So they were laughing. They put the purple robe on him and they laughed. They twisted together a crown of thorns and they saw the pain and the blood that came as they forced it on Jesus' head. And they, and they laughed. Hail, king of the Jews. They laughed. To them, it was just, it was just nothing, just another day. They didn't know. They didn't understand. When they had mocked him, they led him away to crucify him. In the soldiers' actions, you and I can look at them and blame them and think, I would never have done such a thing. Or instead, we could look at our own hearts, our own lives, and recognize that it's so easy to make a mockery of holy things. It's easy to make a mockery of holy things. People do it all the time. It happens in humor all the time. Because it's so important to some people, it can be funny to other people. And in this day, these soldiers missed the reality of the Lamb of God who was giving his life for them. As I look at what these soldiers did that day, I don't blame them. I relate to them. I see how easily I could have gone down the same road. This is Jesus' last day, and in this last day, he is led out to be crucified. In his last week, he comes into Jerusalem as king, as priest, as prophet, and lamb, and now he has marched out of Jerusalem looking like a common thief, carrying his own cross to be crucified, but he's still the king. He is still the priest. He's still the prophet. He's still the lamb of God who carries the sin of the world. As Jesus has marched out of Jerusalem, 
The other Gospels tell us that the weariness of having been scourged, the weariness of carrying our sins, knowing the suffering that he was facing, Jesus begins to stumble under the weight of the cross. And so a man is there, Simon, and he is pressed into service to carry the cross. He is forced to do what billions would now consider the greatest privilege of their life. Whatever the pain, there are billions who would consider it a privilege to carry for even a few steps the cross of Jesus Christ for him on this day. And we know something about Simon. We know something from Mark especially, because Mark notes for us that he is the father of Alexander and Rufus. Why does he he say this? Because he knows that the Roman church who is reading this gospel, one of the first churches to read the gospel, Mark wrote so that the Romans would hear, that the Roman church knew Alexander and they knew Rufus. In fact, Rufus is mentioned in Romans chapter 16 as Paul writes to the Roman church. And the two are mentioned here because they're well known to believers in the early church. See, Alexander and Rufus, the sons of Simon, became believers in Jesus Christ. Just think of how God changed this family this day. Simon is walking in from the country. He has no intention of being caught up in what's happening with the cross. The the Roman soldier comes and demands that he serve. And in an occupied territory like this, when a Roman soldier demanded a service of you, you had to give it. There was no choice. And so he's he's pressed into a service that he never wanted. And this is no mere, just carry my pack for me a mile, which oftentimes is what they asked. This is carry a man's cross, an already bloodied cross. It was an awful job. So it carries this cross alongside of Jesus Christ. And somewhere in carrying the cross, somewhere in what he sees happen on the place of crucifixion, Simon's life has changed. His heart has changed. As my life has been changed, as Your heart has been changed or is being changed right now as you hear about this. That's what happens at the cross. Jesus Christ changes hearts. He not only changes hearts, he changes lives and he changes families. The father of Alexander and Rufus. Alexander and Rufus come to Jesus Christ because of what happens here. All of life is changed. It was no accident what happened this day. The Roman soldier maybe thought it was, but it was no accident. God knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly when Simon would be coming by. And even as Jesus is carrying the cross, he's being a witness to this family. And so what happens? 22 to 24. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. They crucified the Christ. Now this is a brief word here. They crucified him. It's all that's said. But it was a horrible death. Anyone reading this in that day would have known. This is one of the cruelest forms of execution ever devised by man. The cross was designed to be an execution by public humiliation. The public humiliation of a long, slow death. The nails that were driven through a person's hands and a person's feet were not what killed someone. The nails simply kept someone on the cross. People died of starvation. They died of thirst. They died of the elements. They died of suffocation. That's how a person died on the cross. And they died as the crowds walked by. The crosses were always put in a very public place, in the entrance places to the cities, so that the crowds could walk by and see this humiliation of the person who committed this crime. But for Jesus Christ, the cross was no humiliation. 
For Jesus Christ, the cross was a public display of his humility. It was a public display of his love. For Jesus Christ, the cross was not a place where his life was taken from him. The cross was a place where his life was given for us. At any moment, he could have said no. He could have said no in the Garden of Gethsemane. He could have said no when he was standing before Pilate. He could have given an excuse to get away from the cross. One of the other gospels tell us that, tells us that even on the cross, he could have called 10,000 angels to come and minister to him and maybe even rescue him, but he did not. God in human flesh chose moment by moment to go to the cross. He chose to do it for me. He chose to do it for you. That's the love of God. Now, as you and I think about the cross, they crucified him. As you think about the love of God, my prayer is that that love will come into my life, into your life today. Let's ask Jesus for that right now. Jesus, so many of us are like Simon. We run into you on, on a street and we encounter you in ways that we're not sure what you want to do in our lives. We're confused at first. But Jesus, when we see the cross, when we see the love that you have for us, when we see God in human flesh giving himself for us, a lot of other things might be confusing in our lives, but that becomes clear. And Lord, I pray that we would live this week, that I would live this week with that clarity. There's going to be doubts in my life. There's going to be temptations in my life. There's going to be problems in my life. But there's no doubt, there's no temptation, there's no problem that is greater than your love because those things will not last. The doubts will go away. The temptations will not last. Even the problems when we go to heaven to be with you will be gone. But your love for us, that lasts forever. What we see here on the cross, it is the most lasting truth about us. You love us. There is no truth about us that lasts longer than that truth. You love us. Thank you for your love, Jesus. Thank you for your love. In your name, in your name, amen. Well, join us tomorrow. We're going to be looking at those who watched Jesus as he gave his life for us. 